You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. This episode is all about establishing a home yoga practice. When I first started practicing over 20 years ago, my first experience was in a yoga studio. But very soon after I really dove deeply into the Ashtanga yoga method, I ended up as a home practitioner. There were a number of reasons for that. The first was honestly economy. I was a graduate student at New York University and like many students, I was kind of watching my money. And if I practiced at home, that meant I could save on monthly yoga studio fees. And I really wanted to save money to go back to India and to continue my practice. So I was really counting, you know, every dollar. If I practiced at home, then that meant that I just had that much more in my savings account, which meant that I was that much closer to going back to India. The second, honestly, was time and convenience. I was living in New York City on Avenue B in the East Village. If I was going to practice at a yoga studio, the teacher that I was most connected with was down on Broom Street, and public transportation was less than ideal from where I was living. That meant that it was 30 minutes walking each way or a taxi that I really couldn't afford. Plus, I had to walk back and forth to school at New York University from the East Village, and what that meant was that each of my days involved I don't know, something like two hours of walking. I had to walk to the studio back and forth. It was 30 minutes. And I had to walk to my classes over at NYU. It was 45 minutes each way just to go back and forth to class. Sometimes I had to do that twice in a day if I wanted to go home for lunch or something like that. So I actually did this for a week. And I felt like I was in, you know, like the New York City yoga student walkathon. And it was just too much. So I kind of thought, well, maybe I could just practice at home. And I had space. Luckily for me in my apartment, there was enough space for me to unroll my yoga mat. And there was another kind of reason that was more of an intuition and something that's really kind of hard to express at the time. The, the One of the real things that I felt was that I when I went to India, I really I met my teachers over there. And I didn't really want to practice with anyone else. It's not like there weren't amazing teachers in New York City. You know, New York City is the best of the world, including yoga. But for me, I'd felt this really personal, heartfelt connection with the experience that I had in India. So I felt like, you know, maybe I'd already met my teachers and I didn't necessarily need to have another teacher in New York City and then also have a teacher in India. And I felt like, well, if I've met my teachers and they've taught me, then I'm going to just practice what I've been taught in my room and let that be enough. And there's also some really cool things about practicing at home that I found out really quickly. The first thing that I got to say is really nice about practicing at home is when you finish your practice, you can go directly 
into the shower from your final relaxation. And I don't know about you, but I love a nice hot shower after practice. I have not subscribed into this whole cold shower to increase your immune system thing. I really, really love hot showers. Now, if you love cold showers, by all means, please keep taking them. Enjoy your ice bath. For me, after a yoga practice, what I really, really love is to turn up the heat in my shower as much as possible. And one thing about New York City is this is hot water. And I loved going into a nice hot shower or even if I had time, a nice hot bath. Then if I'm totally honest, after a nice hot shower, hot bath, the body's all heated up to lie down again for another few minutes since you're in the privacy of your own home is another little blessing. You can't really do that in a yoga studio, even if they have a shower and be, you know, lounging around on the bathroom floor or that kind of thing. So I felt like I was in my own little yoga sanctuary. There are, of course, other little embarrassing things that can come out more frequently when you're at home. Um, I think you know what I mean. These little private bodily sounds that we all make, but somehow never make it into the public sphere. The burps and the farts and all those other embarrassing things and the little gurgles and even the grunts that sometimes happen in the yoga practice. Though in the private space of your own home, no one's listening. So, hey, you know, fart away. (laughs) I mean, with reason, right? Maybe you have roommates or something like that. But there is something extremely liberating about practicing completely at home. And I discovered that really quickly in my yoga journey. So here I was just a year into a six day a week committed Ashtanga yoga practice. And I was already a home yoga practitioner. I was practicing on my own with no one watching me. And I really found that the discipline and the devotion of the practice was something that I just was drawn to and something that I found I could really, really integrate into my life. And maybe I have an easy time towards discipline. I mean, my husband, he says, you know, that one thing I do really, really well is I take on discipline and systems. But maybe that's because I have some kind of innate skills. And I wanted to unpack those uh, for you a little bit, particularly if you're a new practitioner and particularly if you're looking to establish a home practice. If you're someone that relies on the support of a community and on a teacher, if your practice is really dependent on going to a studio, if you are suddenly without the economic means, or if you find yourself in times like we find ourselves in now where the yoga studios are all closed and we're advised to keep social distance, then you can feel totally disconnected and lost from your practice if you don't have the discipline or the understanding of what it takes to really create a home yoga practice. So here are some tips that I wanted to share with you. First, there are routines and routines can minimize distraction. Routines are nothing more than good habits. And These, unfortunately, can be hard to form and easy to break. So getting on your mat at home with consistency, regularity, kind of requires you to make your behavior into routines. And what this means is that you'll have to set around the same order of events around your practice. So a great way to minimize distractions is to set up kind of a moment by moment routine for your day that builds up to your practice. I like to practice yoga in the morning um, after I meditate. And my biggest distraction is getting caught up in the internet and emails and notifications or 
honestly, even just reading the news. I'm a big news reader. I like to read the New York Times, although I, I'm definitely restricting my news intake uh, recently, but I do get caught up in ideas even. Like if I wake up with an idea, I want to write an article about it or something like that. And also home. I have to say home is a big distraction because there's laundry sitting around waiting to be washed. Laundry's not going to wash itself. If it's washed, it needs to be folded. If it's folded or on hangers, it needs to be put away. Then there's kids and pets and family all around. The dishes, you know, they're not going to do themselves. They got to get done. Then they have to be put back. And there's just all these things. There's dust that accumulates and, you know, you're at home. So one of the biggest distractions is home. So the way to think about that is to to create a routine around the time around your practice. So my ideal morning routine is to minimize the amount of time between when I wake up and when I get on the mat. And that includes my meditation cushion and my yoga mat. So I my my discipline in the morning is that my phone stays on airplane mode until after my practice. And this really helps me economize time so that if the phone or some screen is on, then because it's on airplane mode, there's minimal interaction with the world. And honestly, the screens are not that interesting when they're not connected. So I end up drinking a cup of tea, uh, drinking a glass of water, which is the first thing I do every morning is drink a big glass of water, make a cup of tea. I take my vitamin C at the same time. And I end up instead leaving a book out that I find really, really inspirational and something that's going to really set off my day into kind of a positive, well-aligned, good vibrational kind of thinking, whether that's an inspirational story or whether that's some just something I'm really interested and inspired in. And I'll read a little bit of that. And I usually set kind of a timer so that within 30 minutes of me waking up, I'm on my meditation cushion. Then, you know, I give myself a little break after the meditation cushion, and then I head directly onto the yoga mat. If I don't create a really, really stable routine about that 30 minutes to drink tea and read a little bit of a book, then, you know, I actually, I sit for one hour. So sitting for an hour, short break, you know, go to the bathroom, wash my face, a little bit more water after meditation, get back on the yoga mat. If there are other little things that insert themselves in, I can lose so much time in just meaningless distractions, whether it's, you know, a notification that comes in on, you know, Instagram or some other message that comes in, then I feel, oh, I have to read this news headline or something like that, or just anything that's a distraction, you want to minimize that. So think about what you can do to create routines, whether you practice in the afternoon or you practice at a certain time or whatever it is. Think about just systematizing the time before you get on the mat. And that I think will really help you create what is necessary to establish a home yoga practice. Now, the next thing to think about is commitment. Not everyone can commit to six days a week. And I'll be honest with you, it's really, really difficult. There have been times in my life when I actually went down to practicing five days a week. It was when I was traveling even more than I was traveling recently. And I just uh, had too many days on an airplane and needed to go down to six days a week. I'm back to a six day a week practice. And I really, really, really like a six day a week practice with one day off to let the body rest. But I meditate and do my meditation practice every day. Now, that may not be something that you can aspire to at this point in your life. And I know many home yoga practitioners seem to aim for the sky or crash down to the bottom of the ground. And what I'd advise to you is to really set a small attainable goal. That way, your yoga practice is a success. 
that you achieve rather than a thing that you fail at. Because there's nothing like looking at the yoga mat and thinking, oh, I'm a failure because I didn't get on the mat six days a week, like I said, rather than thinking, I said I was going to practice one day a week and I actually did it two days this week. Yay. My yoga mat is a happy place where I overachieve. So this is something that is a, 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 a way to change your thinking so that you can commit to kind of the least the least possible amount of yoga that you can do each week. And that really will allow you to stay motivated. And again, to really build on the positive momentum that you'll establish from actually stepping on the mat on those days that you do. Next thing to think about is time, right? Time. What time is the best time that you can do your practice? Uh, This really ties into routines, but it's really, really specific. See, now when you... When you think about your yoga practice and you think about time, then you're also thinking about the body's clocks. And what else do we know is really set in terms of the body clocks? You got it, food. So if you eat at the same time every day, then your body gets hungry at the same time every day, then your body is on kind of its own rhythm. If you if you lay your practice into that time, then you'll be able to get your practice in if you practice in the morning before you're hungry or you know in the evening before you're too hungry to eat dinner. The, one of the hard things to do is to get on your mat when you're hungry because physical performance decreases when you're hungry, when you're sugar low, you make bad decisions. There are all these exercise studies that show that athletes have a high propensity to injure themselves when they're sugar low and when they're hungry. So getting on your mat when you're hungry is just not ideal. So if you can systematize and routinize the time that you practice, then this will also help your body understand that, oh, I have breakfast after practice. For me, I have breakfast after practice. So my body gets really used to eating after practice. And if I delay my practice too late, then what ends up happening is I'm starving and I end up either just doing a really light practice or skipping practice entirely. Then you're just way too hungry. You can't get it done. So as much as possible, create a commitment to practice around the same time every day. If you play around with a one day you practice in the morning, one day you practice in the evening, it's almost like giving your body jet lag. So you almost feel like, oh, now it feels like morning, but it's actually afternoon. In this way, time is really, really important and precious. This can also impact your sleep cycles. So for example, if you're a morning yoga practitioner and you suddenly practice in the evening, this will disturb your body's clock because you'll, you know, you'll have sort of told your body that it is the evening. Also, the type of practice you can do in the morning is totally different than the type of practice you can do in the evening. So if you are doing a really, really powerful dynamic practice like Ashtanga yoga, you know, second series or really deep back bends and things like this, to do that late at night may actually disturb your sleep cycle. So if you're going to be practicing in the evening, I definitely recommend focusing more on meditation meditation, gentle yoga, slow, chill, easy, nothing too intense. Again, time, super important. A a good trick about the time is to enlist the help of your friends, family members, everyone who shares space with you and cohabitates with you so that everybody knows when now is yoga time and they can come in and visit, but you're on your mat at that time. And then you can also put it in your calendar 
with a little reminder and claiming that space on the calendar is super important. If your day looks like mine, you might be super scheduled out with meetings and appointments and other things that you have going on. So to actually add in your yoga practice to the calendar is just super important. Okay, now what else can really inspire you and keep you inspired along your home practice? This may seem a little counterintuitive, but just because you are getting established in a home yoga practice doesn't need you need to teach yourself. As I mentioned before, I established my home practice when I felt the strongest connection to lineage of yoga and having a teacher. Uh, you know, just because you're again, because you're a home yoga practitioner and just you're practicing at home doesn't need doesn't mean you need to be a self-taught yogi. I'd actually say that you'll probably find more consistency, more direction, more progress in your practice if you have a teacher. If you can align yourself with a teacher and thinking about that you're going to go back and practice with that teacher at some moment that acts as a little motivation and inspiration to kind of keep you getting back on your mat. I would go to India about once a year and immerse myself in the practice. Then I would go back home and practice at home. I practiced in my living room in New York City in my parents' garage when I was living in Miami. I'm lucky enough to have a yoga room where my husband and I live now, but there have been numerous times that I've unrolled my mat in a bathroom, in a hotel, in a little tiny space next to a bed and just claimed that space for practice. If I didn't have a connection into a teacher, into a lineage, I don't know if I would have been that disciplined. If I've had these periods of time when my yoga practice was my sole focus, and I'm so, so grateful for those times. So I really recommend everyone who's feeling like they're out there languishing on their own to make a connection with the teacher, whether that's booking a retreat or, you know, booking a trip to go to India or just making a commitment to spend, you know, a month in a yoga studio that's nearby where you are, or potentially even you know, finding a connection to someone online. This can be a really, really useful tool as long as the connection is deep and personal. And as long as the connection is something that will motivate you, will inspire you to kind of get back on your mat as much as possible. Whether you decide to go and travel to study yoga at some moment in the future or spend time with your teacher that's closer to your home or maybe even consider, you know, like a yoga private lesson, whether that's online or if that's something that, you know, you might be able to do in person. What matters the most is building a connection to a teacher whom you can return to over and over again for guidance and direction for what you can see as sort of the longevity and the length of your entire practice. You don't want it to be just like a once-off sort of experience. You really want it to be a long-term relationship. So finding a teacher is really, really a deep conversation and something that uh, we could talk about in a whole podcast on its own. But all I can say is, you know, do your research, uh, look for empirical evidence of the humanity of your teacher, as well as what they learn from their struggles and just use their life as kind of the guide post for what, what they're going to be able to offer you. If you see someone as a happy person that's been through deep periods of study and you feel like that's a place you'd like to go to, well, then follow that person. And then, of course, that's the logical aspect, but then you have to feel kind of a connection. And there's a, a connection and a chemistry that kind of has to happen 
when, you know, when you meet your teacher, there's a click that has to happen. So just listen for that in your heart and always make sure that it makes logical sense. Remember that yoga teachers are human beings, not deities, not perfect, you know, divine creatures, but people just like you and me, and we're all on the path together. So just keep that in mind and do your best to find a teacher that you can really trust. But uh, be super careful to not deify or over-glorify your teacher. Okay, what else can help you when you're thinking about really getting established in a home practice? I would actually highly suggest some sort of online support, whether that online support is your friend who's like a yoga friend and you text each other and maybe you FaceTime each other when you practice and so you like you can actually share practice. You know, I, I started yoga in the days before YouTube existed. And I kind of like to say that because I feel like that makes me a yoga grandma. You know, I started yoga back in the day. <laughs> no, but really, I mean it. There was no YouTube when I started yoga. If I wanted to watch a yoga video, I had to put on a yoga DVD. When I went to my first yoga class, my mom handed me this old like morning yoga series. And, you know, I watched that and it was really beautiful. But uh, I was at this point, I don't know, I was already into Ashtanga yoga. So I was looking for something more vigorous. So Compared to the ease with which yoga students can stream all these vast troves of yoga videos online, just think about what's what's available on YouTube. The idea of getting out a DVD and putting this in a DVD player starts to feel like a clunky anachronism of an ancient past. But uh, that's how I started, you know. Now you have access to some of the world's best teachers at your fingertips. And what's even more than that, you can connect with like-minded yogis all over the world. So you don't have to feel like you're alone, even if you're alone in your home. You can join a, you know, a, a, a live yoga class where you can chat with the teacher. Many yoga studios are online on Zoom. Our yoga center, Miami Life Center, is offering online classes where you get the individualized attention with the teacher. I'm doing live classes, of course. I created OMSTARS with the specific intention of supporting home yoga practitioners in both their personal practice and in building true community. Something about putting on a video when you're feeling uninspired and just, just doing that video helps you keep coming back to the mat. It is so overwhelming to stand on your yoga mat and ask yourself the question, what should I do today? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do today? That is completely overwhelming. So the idea of having other people who are practicing with you, the idea of other people who you can connect with and say, hey, I, you know, I did my first headstand today. You can have what you could call virtual sangha or virtual community. And this is super, super important. So online support can take so many different forms. Again, it can be your friends that you all click on and kind of do a community practice group. It can be a Zoom class with your local studio. It can be an online yoga channel like OMSTARS. It can be a live yoga class that you join. There are all sorts of ways to find online support, but definitely reach out, stay active in the online yoga community. Now, the last thing that's super important about establishing a home yoga practice is the idea of sacred space. If you think back to the last time you visited a yoga studio, there is this palpable change in atmosphere that happens when you walk into the room and it's the sacred space. There's the smell of incense maybe or scented candle. There's kind of a vibe that you step into and it's palpable and it's real. Maybe there is some Sanskrit chanting that's in the background. And for me, I 
always really feel that the yoga space is almost like a temple that I walk into and it can instill a sense of holiness. It can call your soul up towards the sacred within you, kind of like you're rising up to your highest potential. Tuning into that same feeling at home can be really, really difficult. So creating a very small home altar can radically transform even a small corner of the room into kind of a mini temple. It doesn't have to be a big production, of course, unless you want it to be. If you want to make a, a home altar with, you know, that's really, really elaborate, by all means, definitely do that. My practice space always has a candle, an incense burner, a small crystal on a shelf or a table, and sometimes a picture of my teacher, sometimes a cross because I have a strong connection with Jesus. And I talk about that in another podcast. That's a whole story in and of itself. Um, just as parenthetical, I'm completely non-religious and I have a really interesting story of kind of connection to the spirit. Um, and again, that's a, that's a whole long conversation for another podcast. And my home altar is really just there to help me connect into the to the world of the spirit so that as I sit there, I really feel that, you know, in terms of my body, I feel, you know, more like more connected into the spirit and less connected into the physical, more called to my higher potential and less, you know, connected into my problems. So whatever that space is for you, even just lighting a candle could be enough to signify the inward turning of the mind that yoga really is. Scent plays into the nervous system. If you get accustomed to the scent of incense or a particular candle, just uh, smelling that can really evoke certain attitudes that can make your home practice more connected to a sense of the sacred. There are so many ways that you can really claim the space of the sacred within your home yoga practice. But the idea is that what this really is about is that it's your practice. Moving from being dependent on going to a studio into really practicing on your own means that the practice has matured for you. That's It's reached a level where you are now, well, it's your practice. And when you find out what you do when no one's watching you, when it's just you on your yoga mat and you find yourself connected into that intimate space of the inner world, then the practice really becomes, well, yours. So in these challenging times, I hope these tips on establishing a home yoga practice can keep you just that little bit more inspired to get on your mat. Because every time we get on our mat, we make the world just that little bit more peaceful, a little bit more happier. And I know that over these last 20 years, it's made the biggest difference in my life. So keep practicing. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, 
I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.